And it's the year 2019, and we're back with another year of the Rational Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Babaya. And today we have uh, four people here to contribute to the events of 2019 in a special episode. Uh, let's just go around. Of course, you all know me from uh, the previous year. Christian? Yeah, I'm, my name is Christian van Hessen. I'm also uh, one of the founders of Rational Standard, and I like talking about these kind of things we're going to talk about. I am Christian Hugo, and I refused to join the Rational Standard when it started, but have taken an interest in it very recently. I'm Nicholas Woodsmith. You should know me. I'm the managing editor of the Rational Standard and also currently known as the Hat Guy on Twitter. Ah, yes. Well, that's because of your profile picture, isn't it? Yeah. The irony is that I seldom ever wear that hat. Well, I think that's a poor life choice. Yeah. I uh, so. Regardless. <laughs> Never mind. Let me... <laughs> okay. Regardless. <laughs> The year 2019 has a lot to hold for South Africa. I think we can all agree with that. There's a lot of stuff going on in our politics right now. I think it was all sort of going as things normally were right up until the point that Jacob Zuma left office and then we had Sir Ramaphosa and all of a sudden land reform becomes an issue on the table and now there's a lot at stake. So I think the you know the biggest immediate event that we have in our political scene is the, are the 2019 elections. So Let's go around the circle. Um, I'll, I'll say what I think is going to happen first in the 2019 elections, and you all can uh, tell me whether you think I'm right or wrong. So I think the best way to look at it is look at the individual parties. Okay, ANC. ANC has been declining steadily over the last couple of, of, of elections as more support gets drawn to other parties. Unfortunately, the Zuma years have really tarnished their brand. So it was a very tactical move by the ANC executive powers to remove Zuma and take in a nice shiny new replacement, Cyril Maposa, who at least looks very good from the outside. He's like a very good PR move for the ANC. I think that, combined with the fact that they have this new populist thing, this land reform issue, which we always kind of spoke about in South Africa, but now it's becoming a main issue, could give them the first time that they improve their voter share, um, I think, since any election, I, I think since 1994, this would be the first time. I'm, I don't recall if the election following 94 they improved or not. So I think the ANC is going to go up. I initially thought the EFF would go down because the whole reason for the EFF's existence where they were sort of the radical lefties in South African political spectrum, but now the ANC is taking up the same issues which the EFF has been uh, campaigning on. So I thought EFF supporters might return home to the ANC and the problem is with the EFF has right now is the VBS scandal is really going to tarnish the image a lot. Um, although I, I scarcely think perhaps the supporters don't really care about that. So the EFF is a, a tricky one. I'm not 100% sure what's going to happen there. But if I had to put money, I'd say they'd go down slightly um, with supporters really voting for them going back to the ANC. But if not, I think they also have a pretty good chance of going up. Um, the DA, now obviously not all the parties can, can go up or go down. There has to be some sort of equilibrium. With regards to the DA, um, I think it's going to come down to what sort of campaign. I've seen a few campaign posters of theirs. It looks like it could be a, a pretty good unifying campaign at a time when the president is talking about lackadaisical whites and, and things like this. So uh, if they can get a really good campaign and, and, and a lot of momentum going to the election, I think they can improve. But Failing that, I think the DA just hasn't been strong enough on what is a very, very critical issue in this country. And I think they have the potential to lose voter support to other even smaller political parties in South Africa. So from that, over to you, gentlemen. What do you think? Well, what kind of pisses me off about this whole thing is that 
for the past three or four years, we were told that December 2017, we had lots of, lots of uncertainty. We were told it's December 2017, we're going to get some sort of indication of the direction the country's going in. We're going to get, get some sort of certainty. Um, we've, we've had the whole 2018, we've had Cyril, we've had the Cyril, Cyril mania, and then we've had the, the Cyril recession, the Rama session. And, um, and I don't think we got any certainty. I mean, all the, all the kind of smart business people said, no, Cyril knows what he's doing, trust him. Um, you know, the Alec Hogs of the world who live in the UK keep on, I mean, I get his daily email and he tells me Cyril is great, let's just trust him, um, which I, I find hard to, to trust. And um, now 2019, the election is coming up and, you know, we are being told or that we must believe that 2019, this election, now we're going to get certainty and clarity on the future. I, I think the Institute of Race Relations, I think their polling is quite accurate, or at least it made sense to me. If I remember correctly, they kind of said that uh, the, the ANC will get around 60, maybe just less than 60%. Uh, well, I see the latest thing I see is actually 56% in front of me. Um, anyway, let's say give or take 60%. The EFF might get 10 or 11%, and the DA should get between 18 and 22%. Um, that seems realistic to me and sitting here now thinking about it, I don't see how those results would give us a lot more certainty about the future. You know, does that, will Cyril then magically get the mandate supposedly that everyone's talking about to clear out the corrupt elements in the ANC? I don't think so. I think if he wanted to do something seriously about it, he could do it now. He's very popular. Um, you know, it would kind of be hard for any, on any populist level to go against that within the ANC or without. Um, maybe there's complexities I don't understand. I don't think so. Um, so if, I don't think we're going to get any more clarity. Um, if anything, we're going to maybe just get more uncertainty. We're going to go further and further down the line. Um, I think the EFF remains popular because they the economy is not growing. People are getting poorer. Um, it's, it's just populism and a very, very bad kind of populism, I think. Um, and then, of course, you get the DA. Um, DA would traditionally be the classical liberal party of South Africa, the, the, the kind of party people like us would traditionally vote for, if I, if I can say that. Um, I think the problem with the DA is the leadership has not been very clear. They've been on very issues. They've kind of tried to be populist, and then on other issues, they've been kind of solid. Um, the, the biggest thing, I think, though, is you, you get the ANC, I mean, they tell you, Cyril's here, he's going to fix everything. You get the EFF. The EFF offers a vision of the future. I've come to think that that's very important. The DA offers no alternative vision of the future. I mean, the DA voter, they don't tell you what South Africa is going to be like if they come to power, if you vote for them, if you, if you give them more, more authority in, in Parliament. Um, you know, it's, they just criticize the ANC and they bitch and moan about corruption. And we see their, their members of parliament, I mean, everybody raves when, when they go in parliament and they make a bit of a hoo-ha about how bad corruption is. I know 60 million other South Africans who would also love to go in parliament and they'll give you just as much of a show about how much they hate corruption. There's nothing intrinsically special about that. Um, I'll see, I think we'll see what happens in this election. I think the DA will not get the, the they won't see a growth in their support. I think that will have to 
um, be put on the shoulders of the leadership. And I think there would have to be serious radical change in that party. Um, it's a pity because that leaves us another three or five years out before, <laughs> before they get another mm-hmm. shot. Um, so I, from that point of view, without getting too elaborate about it, I do not see in the foreseeable future where positive change in South Africa is going to come from. If it does come, it's not going to come from a politic, traditional political party, I believe. My view is that the real thing that people should be focusing on in the future are the legal ramifications of, of um, EWC. I truly do believe that the concept of South Africa as a country that, that is a signatory to anti-EWC um, laws internationally if, will affect not only South Africa's standing in the world, but it will have massive economic ramifications, not only in terms of another possible downgrade, which would mean if, if Moody's were to downgrade us, I believe that there truly is no hope for South Africa to turn around anytime soon. I believe that we'll probably be in a downward spiral for at least two years. And I also believe that there is no alternative to the, the ANC, which would mean that there would be no option to get away from EWCS. Currently, they are standing by the concept, even though in the past they have been vehemently against it. Um, well, not vehemently. They have been. Have ve- they? Yes. In the, in the 90s, they were against it. That's well, why the ANC of post-94 was quite different. You know, they actually, if you go, if you go look post-94, the economy actually grew. Although I think a large part of that can be due to the vast majority of this country's population having rights for the first time. It was also yes. international globalization. Everyone was doing well yeah. after that time. They were certainly different, though. I mean, Leon Lowe has even described the Mandela slash and Becky years as being like fiscally conservative. Yeah, yeah. I don't no, know. Maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration. They had, their policies weren't perfect, but they were actually reasonably good. Better than the apartheid well, policies. Tax, tax rates weren't very high and they were running a surplus. That's fiscally yeah, conservative. Exactly. What was the top margin of tax rate? Yeah. In it was a lot easier. Uh, it could have, couldn't have been higher. But at the end of the day, the ANC decided that they would add the Article 25 into the Constitution. It was nobody else that decided that that should happen. And well, the, I, the, there's an interesting story about the... You're talking about the property rights clause, The right? property rights clause. Yeah. The, the Free Market Foundation. The Free Market yeah. Foundation were the ones who were kind of responsible for bringing that up. Yeah, and what I, the story was quite interesting. Um, I, I heard it in a talk from Leon Lowe. He said they were having this meeting at Arniston, I think. I hope if I stand to be corrected here. And they... They were about to finish up and there was no property rights clause because people thought that this was like entrenching and supporting white privilege or something like that. And they came into this meeting and they said, would it not be tragic if for decades your people have, the native people of this country have been denied the ability to own property and you're going to continue to deny them that post-apartheid? Think about how bizarre that is. And I think on that basis then they... Well, they still doing that. They became yeah. convinced. I apologize, we've interrupted you now. Well, Nick, do you, are you I, 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 The whole thing is that the South African government, and that's the only thing that truly matters, whether it's the ANC government, whether it's some other government, the South African government has promised the world and the world's investors that they will not expropriate land without compensation. And 
We have seen it in Zimbabwe. We saw in 2011 that Swiss farmers were given $200 million um, from the Zimbabwean government for expropriation from land, which they were able to execute through um, the legal sale of property in the United States. And I believe that the very same thing will happen to South Africa if this passes and if it's executed upon. There's no reason to expect it. There is a very large population of expat owners of South African farms and they will go back to, to law. They will sue them. There's no... I mean, why would you walk away from, from your land if you have a right to it on an international basis? It doesn't... You don't have to go to, to South African court in order to settle this. It, it, it's... It's silly. Nick Woodsmith. So I think that we, a little bit of an echo chamber here against EWC. If there's anyone at this table who's kind of pro it, I'd be very surprised. I apologise if anybody listening to this is surprised by now. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry for the shock. Um, I'll make it up for you. Just send me a, your email and I'll send you a free copy of my book. <laughs> the, um, to actually return to election predictions. Now, it's very hard to make predictions, and I think to paraphrase an idea from Franz Cunier's uh, books, if anyone claims they're making predictions, they're probably lying. <laughs> but we can try to make a sort of prediction based on our gut. My gut feeling is that the overwhelming winner of the 2019 elections is going to be the did-not-vote-stayed-home-and-bride-or-slept-in party. It's a long abbreviation. If someone can figure it out for me, I'd be appreciated. Um... I can see you doing that right now, Baba. I'm thinking about the, the acronym, but I can't get it. Ah, it's too long. It's not, we need to change it to marketers. I think we should register that. But if we're going to talk about the established parties, I think the DA is definitely going to suffer. Either they're not going to receive any sort of growth or they're going to lose voters purely because they have alienated their prime voter base in an effort to try to steal voters who don't vote for the ANC because they like the ANC's policies, but because it's the ANC. That's the big problem in South Africa, is that a lot of people try to, to treat the South African politics like a European or American political system, when we are, for all intents and purposes, a new democracy. And no new democracy can work like a, a democracy with hundreds of years of mileage. Can I ask why not? Sorry. Why not? It's just institutional development, education, and I don't mean education as in the traditional sense of, you know, paying... What, what did we establish was the budget of South, Afri uh, South Africa's education ministry? Um, well, it combined with post-secondary, um, it's about $345 billion. Yeah. So we can see how much that money has helped educate our population. But <laughs> when I mean education, I actually mean a sort of a culture surrounding democracy. America, for all its problems, and there's many problems, kind of understand democracy to a degree. They understand that you can change things, that you should vote for people for what they plan to do rather than who they are. Of course, this kind of changes. Uh, this is not perfect, and a lot, of, a lot of people might disagree with me based on the most recent election. But in South Africa, it's even worse. And we come from a out of apartheid where most of the population was not allowed to vote where it was, they were still relegated along tribal lines and traditional authorities. And to a large degree, that's how many South Africans treat the democratic government. They vote as a matter of, you have to do it, not as a matter of, this is how I should change the country. So that means we get 
people voting for presidents as if they're basically electing the chief who's already chief just for the sake of saying that they like the chief. And the problem with this is that the DA has been treating the South African population like a sophisticated voter base, meaning that they think they can appeal to their better nature or their love for meritocracy or their love for certain types of ideology. And the problem is, as a result of that, they have, as a result of that, they have sacrificed their core values in effort to try to appeal to people who are not, who are either going to vote for the ANC or not vote for anyone at all. And back to an earlier point, I think the ANC will actually get, regain their losses off the Zuma era. Um, and we can see this in the mandates of most of the parties. The EFF and the DA's main mandate for an extremely long time was basically just anti-Zuma. They didn't have any sort of actual core values or core mandates. The DA's core mandate during uh, Mbeki was basically, look at us, we can do service delivery slightly better. But I think as especially our uh, um, colleague in jo uh, Johannesburg, Martin van Staden, can attest to, um, service delivery from the DA in Joburg hasn't been that great. Maybe there's just a fundamental difference between Cape Town and Johannesburg that makes it Johannesburg can never be great, or maybe the DA just isn't that good at their job. The, yeah. So it means they can no longer keep appealing to the service delivery uh, um, promises, and they need to actually decide that they need to become different again, and rather say, because they can no longer say we're bare service delivery, and they can no longer say we don't have Zuma. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the tribal sort of nature of South African politics in terms of how we vote. I'd like to point something out that this is not just an ANC thing. This is a DA thing as well. I know people who vote for DA blindly. I, I, I think the, the thing which makes me most depressed about the DA is that they like sort of try to show themselves off as this liberal party. Mm. And of course, you know, it's, it's a, it is a, a big church party. They love to advertise themselves like that. And I, and I don't think there's nothing, there's anything inherently wrong per se. Um, but I see them bending over backwards to sort of justify certain things. And there are certain MPs on Twitter who I see taking bizarre positions. You can say her name. Social. Boomsie Le Van Dam. But look, she's not the only one. I don't want to mm -hmm. single her out. That's yeah. why I'm saying. You're not but, special, sorry. But, but she's chalk and cheese compared to others. Um, you know... Michael Cardo, you know, I, I think he's great in a lot of positions, um, but I will never forget interviewing him on this Rational Standard podcast following Adam Strutz's testimony to Parliament and the whole controversy that sort of blew up after that. You know, obviously, Mpiaka wrote a great article on Rational Standard sort of defending him, and there was a lot of back and forth. And I asked Michael Cardo, like, what did you think? Because uh, a DAMP said, I believe it was, like, we cannot stand with you on anything that you've just said or something like that. Yeah, yeah basically, yeah. Just basically yeah. distancing herself entirely and, uh, you know, said DAMP on Twitter back to fully. And I mean, I don't know if Musi said anything about it, but basically the general idea was the party was like, no, nah, we can't, we can't deal with these guys. And uh, Michael Cardo on the, on the episode, he said to me, and the exact quote will obviously be up there on the episode. He said, oh, I don't really agree with the, sort of massive condemnation against Adam Stewart's, which is nice to hear after the fact, uh, but it would have been better during the fact and it would have been better from people higher up in the party that you really have to stand on principle 
And you can't just throw people under the bus when they're associated with Afriforum. Yeah. I think the big problem with identifying the DA is something they've admitted themselves, which is that Musi desperately wants to, people to view him as an Obama-like figure. But the problem is with anyone who's actually analyzed the, De- the U.S. Democratic Party a lot is that they're a mass party by definition. They don't have any actual core values. They don't have any core policies. They basically go for whatever they think will get them votes. And they'll call themselves utilitarian. But the problem with that, which is a big can of worms, is how do you judge what is the most efficient policy? You still need ideology for that. But the problem with the DA is that it's absorbed so many people who have only been educated by American politics. So they join thinking that they're joining an American Liberal Party or an American Democratic Party rather than a South African one that believes in core values of freedom and reason and (laughs) actual democracy rather than what just sounds good and gets the most votes. And this is the problem with this, there's an identity crisis where Musi desperately wants to be Obama but doesn't really understand what made Obama appealing and also doesn't understand what made Obama a really bad president. Well... I think, well, to actually catch on to your point, the, the Democrats did better before they became less mass market, if you can put it that way. I mean, they've kind of gone very far left and they've really embraced identity politics, which is a very kind of narrow and specific part of the demographic that actually believes in that kind of thing. Whereas, you know, maybe even during the early Obama years, they were a much more a wider, more appealing party to a larger number of people. Maybe the DA is trying to replicate that. I think they're doing it very, very badly. Um, I don't think the DA is actively bad, as in, I'm not convinced Musi and many other people there are are very good. Um, Not that I think Musi is a bad person, I just think he's a bit lost. Um, But I think it's more a case that the DA has more of an identity crisis than it's pulling in the wrong direction. I think there are many forces, and the force that's kind of prevailing is kind of pulling it more or less in the wrong direction. But it's too it's too fragmented, and as I said earlier, they offer no vision of the future. Either they must come out and say, guys, uh, we're going to do the united rainbow nation, uh, people must be united kind of thing, which I think is a bit worn out. I don't think that's where the country is at the moment. Or they must come out and they must say, okay, we're into identity politics, we're into reparations, we're into kind of we're going to be a bit more radical, or they must come out and say, okay, cool, we're into um, property rights, we're going to say, you know, take responsibility for your own life, you know, we want to help people create opportunities for themselves. There must be, I mean, there's, they don't offer any vision of the future. The ANC does, uh, the EFF does, all the DA is good for is kind of infighting and bitching and moaning about corruption, which isn't very hard to do. Anyone can do that. Mm. Yeah, they are kind of like, I think I mentioned earlier, like a professional opposition. They're very good at complaining and they're very good at being the opposition and pointing out the flaws in the ruling government, which is the purpose of the opposition. Uh, but the problem is that, uh, you know, Christian has said this, They don't offer much of a vision of the future. It's very difficult for me, for example, to picture Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in the Democratic Alliance. I think she would want to have nothing to do with it. I I can't imagine like a Jair Bolsonaro of the DA, like a liberal version of Jair Bolsonaro or or Jeremy Corbyn. I'm trying to think of all these. Can I just clarify what you're trying to say? 
but the deer isn't radical enough yeah. in either any particular direction to they're like absorb mush. They're mush. Yes, yeah. identity crisis, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And this is not to say that there are individuals within the DA who I view as being fantastic, and I really do. And and there are MPs who I would vote for if they were my, if they were the candidate in my constituency. But in South Africa, we have to vote for a party and not an individual, yeah. and I don't like that system. I'm it's personally, I'm a big fan of the per first past the post system. Well, that's a separate argument. Um, uh, but you know, as a result of the sort of lack of vision within the party and the fact that they have not come out in my opinion strongly enough against uh land expropriation to this day i'll never ever forget musi maimana getting up in parliament and just sort of going well you know land expropriation is not conducive with the developing economy okay he was a bit louder than that but mm -hmm. i mean like it's like uh, you know you're talking out against one of the most dangerous things that could potentially happen to south africa and gave this half-assed speech about technicalities and this and that. It, it was just so poor. Um, I think they need a wake-up call and they need to lose a few votes. Doesn't, so I'm not voting for them in this next election. Doesn't that mean that you're actually just saying that the DA should split? No, I haven't said that. Why not? I, I don't think they should split. I should. They think they should just do a bit of cleaning. They should get rid of the people that are bringing them down. I'm pro purges. <laughs> I'm also pro purges. Yeah, pro -purges. <laughs> no, seriously, purge people who are giving you problems. My, the Republican my, Party should do this as well. They should seriously purge a lot of people. Well, currently we're trying to work our way towards the point that we are a mature democracy, and the signature of mature democracy is a party is that no party gets a two-thirds majority, which the ANC is still within reach of a two-thirds majority. And if they were to be a DA liberal and a DA conservative, doesn't that mean that you would be able to attract more of the old guard DA towards one side and more of a, a liberal party towards the other side which would mean that there would be far more diversity within the, polit the political spectrum. Well, you'd have more options to vote for. And look, I mean, South Africa is already kind of saturated in mm -hmm. terms of number of political parties. This is always the problem when people are like, oh, what if they split? What if we start a new party? It's like, well, we have enough already. I good don't think party. That's... That, that's... Yeah, good party. Yeah. Jeez. It's a good party, guys. <laughs> good at what, though? The whole, yeah, thing, exactly. the whole thing about the DA is that it has some form of legitimacy. And... I believe if the DA were to split, I believe there's a very reasonable chance that both new DAs would have some form of legitimacy. Because there's obviously, Musi Mamani would go to the one side and for the Tony Leons would go to the other side. And you would have a real, you would have a better choice because your views would be far better um, expressed in either one of the two it would mean that that one side could truly would truly represent what you believe rather than one party that says meh i mean currently the da doesn't really represent anything well if they were to split there would be two parties that would have both be in a, a form of, of an alliance simply because of the situation that we're in, both saying different things, but both coherent and both really understanding what the future of South Africa should be going for.
Okay, I just want to say two things. Firstly, I'll, I want to get to your point now. Just going back quickly, a vision of the future and DA leadership. We know, I don't see who the number two in the DA is. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, yeah, I, a good as, as a voter, I want to know, I want to be able to vision visualize the, the DA government and say, okay, Musi is going to be president of South Africa. I want to know who the vice president is. I want to, you know, I, I want to see some co- sort of structure because if you see that, you kind of see a party who believes they have a chance, even though they don't. But I mean, that I think naturally draws more people to them. That's the one point I wanted to make. The, the other point that you were saying is that what if there's a DA split? Now, I think this is a whole topic on its own and maybe we shouldn't talk about it too much. But remember, if there's a split, this is going to be, let's call it a left and let's call it a right. Only one of those sides are going to keep the DA name and branding and structures and money and everything. I mean, it, and I think that's very important because the DA has a brand. I mean, people will maybe catch on one day, oh, the DA split, right? You know, is it, I think, important thing is, is, is the left, is the mooses of the world going to going to keep that name and the brand in the party and there's going to be a new party or is the kind of legitimate old DA going to keep the the DA and there's a new party going to break it. I think that's that's going to be the crucial but that's that's way way down the line I don't think we should stress about that um, just uh, sorry to go against your wishes but just to quickly respond to the split point I think in an ideal world a lot of us genuine classical liberals would like a split in the DA purely because of our emotional opposition to a lot of what the DA has become and our missing of what used to be. But I think that, firstly, what you've mentioned is who gets to maintain the brand of the current DA. If we look at one of our splits of one of the major South African parties, the IFP and the NFP, the NFP is basically an obscure... Who knows about the NFP anymore, basically? It's Does not... Such a thing exists. Sorry, I've never heard about The NFP. New Very Republic. serious. Like two seats or something. Yes, yeah, no, it's, they split from the IFP, which is considered one of the major South African parties. Well, it almost started a civil war, controversial, but or almost responded to a civil war. It depends on the side. The people's war. The people's war, which doesn't exist. You're being very <laughs> bad here. Um, we can see that through South Africa's history, split parties, the part that does split doesn't uh, tends to lose most of their political legitimacy and tends to just sink into obscurity. And I can say now that I'm pretty sure that if there was a split, the liberal part of the DA would be the one that sinks into obscurity. Because liberals, for all the great things we have, we're terrible at marketing and we're terrible at keeping, uh, at terrible at seizing power. Kind of comes to the territory. So you yeah. think the conservatives in the DA, well, conservatives, Liberals, conservatives, same thing. Do you think the reasonable people in the DA are doing all the marketing? No, I think the DA's marketing is terrible. It's like, especially during the Zuma era. That's why I told a lot of my DA colleagues, shout out if you're listening. Colleagues uh, or friends? Sorry, just clarify. Uh, I wouldn't say friends, but they like... They also write books. Hmm? They don't write books. I, <laughs> I'm the only one who writes books in the entire world. <laughs> the... Um, they get very offended when I say that the DA is not good at marketing. When Zuma was at large doing his glorious campaign of corruption, the marketing as an opposition to South Africa was easy mode. But the DA made minimal of, of headway in winning, uh, getting more members and winning votes. That's pitiful. 
Zuma was easy mode. You should have been able to beat him easily. And the thing is, when you make simple mistakes like South Africa first, knowing that people have an internet <laughs> connection. Cool, hey. <laughs> first, first compared to what? First yeah, exactly. To what? Yeah. And the thing is that you literally just have to go, uh, uh, just glance at European politics and see why that's a bad idea. It's not, uh, and the fact that people misunderstood it, like people, a lot of the people I spoke to said, oh, well, people are misunderstanding it. We don't mean it to be like Britain first, you know, that we don't like foreigners. I'm like, yeah, but everyone's interpreting it that way. Marketing is not about what you think. It's about what your consumers think. And if your consumers are misunderstanding your brand, that's your fault. That was a very bad own goal, that uh, South Africa first thing. I do remember that. And it's funny, they, I mean, a sort of segment of the DA has also taken up a bit of a, we need to secure the borders. These immigrants, they're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime. Zimbabwe is not sending their best. We need to build a wall on the Limpopo River. You know, there's a genuine section of them that's now taking up that position. But can I, can I just, just to get to that, if they want to win the election, because, I mean, they kind of say that and then they don't say, they must say, they must decide, okay, guys, we're going with a, we want a wall thing, you know, we're anti-immigration, then they must put it on every single poster and that must be where they're going. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right or wrong, uh, you know, whether you, whether you agree it or not. But but they can't be like one guy says it in a speech and... Yeah, and then, and then the news media... Go with it or not, yeah. And then there's op-eds in the Mail and Guardian five seconds later. And nobody reads that anyway. And then the executive of the <laughs> DA is like trying to clean up after the bad PR. It, it just looks like an absolute mess, guys. Yeah. They, would win, goals. they would win votes, though, if they actually went through with it. No, I don't, well, think, I don't think that's I, a major issue. But I then mean, they must choose it. They must focus. Well, I mean, they haven't chosen anything yet. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. the problem. That's the point. Uh, but I do think, this is what, uh, another thing when it comes to marketing. The DA doesn't have core values, but then a lot of time they'll justify it by saying we cannot be strong liberals because it doesn't win votes. You know, it's not an African principle. But at the same time, I'll say, if you truly cared about picking the ideology that gets votes, you would ban home, uh, gay marriage, you would bring <laughs> back the death penalty, you would kill foreigners, not just ban them, you would kill them openly. These are the things that resonate with the African voters. It's not the role of the political party just to appeal to whatever everyone wants to vote for. It's the role of the political party to try to create a compromise of where society is going to go. You don't create a compromise before you actually go to parliament. You start with your strongest value, and then you have the discussion when you're against your enemies. Yeah, and you have to sell liberal ideas you cannot martin always puts this well we cannot be so condescending so as to naturally assume that the poorest south africans prefer socialism mm. i think that's horribly condescending and if you know from your knowledge of economics and the way the world works that the best ideas are liberal ideas then you need to sell those and you can't pretend uh, to advocate for things which you don't believe in we're all coming with various objections and things like that to the DA right now. Um, and I think, you know, if, if anybody's listening to this, they can sort of see. It's like, it's, it's almost weird. It's like a mirror of the DA itself, all our objections towards them. Because we hear this left, right and center and we end up having all these little problems. And the final product is, it's like really difficult to put an X next to the DA box on the ballot, you know. Because you, you want to do something, you want to vote for a party that you really truly believe in. That's what I believe. And yeah. All right, let's stop talking about the DA now. We've given them enough attention. Um, oh, you think we might get them votes? Are you afraid? No. <laughs> no, I just know one of them is going to write angry comments. It's funny. Whenever That's we, good. Angry comments are good. This, whenever we 
writes an article that's anti-DA somehow, we immediately get like some angry comments. But do you know that's our editorial policy? The more angry comments we get, the happier we become. I, I, I would like I to say comments, so I, don't know. I, I would like to say that if you have an angry an angry comment to send, please send it. We really would want to hear. It. Yes, we, we like it. We we enjoy any kind of. In fact, share the article positive or negative with article. a with a negative caption. Okay, so what else is happening, guys? Twenty nineteen. So we've got our election, and we've got a good thing that can come out of that and a bad. Uh, I mean, the civil war is that good or bad? We can expect the economy to go down the drain this year. I think. Okay, well, let, really okay, d- different different scenario. Now, okay, I have to say the Institute of Racial Relations has convinced me that land expropriation is not just a political election ploy. I think this is very much part of the NDP, and I think a lot of people in the ANC are very keen for this. NDP or NDR? Sorry, uh, NDR. NDP or something else. <laughs> My mistake. Every, everything everything is part of the NDP. Yeah, it's <laughs> well, just we're, enough bloody economics. We're not in Canada yet, so I mean, we, we don't need we to worry about Canada. that yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah, them. You know, the Canadian imperialists. Or the New Democratic Party. God, uh, sorry, as you touched on this NDR thing, and yeah. this is a thing that goes over my head because, and I've listened to France and Anthea Jeffrey and, you know, all these kind of, I don't know if the ANC website is up at the moment because I know they had some dates outstanding, <laughs> but our fact, our fact checker will actually confirm that for us now. But I know you can go on the ANC website and you, get, you can get a lot of their like policy documents and speeches from many years back. And the NDR does feature in there. I mean, that's, that's just a fact. But, but I, was, I was talking to another friend the other day. I'm like, you know, France can talk about this and you can see all these old documents on their website or wherever and reference and speeches. I cannot in my wildest dreams imagine that the ANC cabinet has a cabinet meeting and they sit around and they use the term national democratic revolution and they talk about some long broad strategy to disenfranchise the colonialist elements and step-by-step salami tactics frog in a frog in a boiling pot of water frog in a boiling pot of water we're gonna take the land we're gonna destroy healthcare i just can't see that i think you know it's it's not a conspiracy because it's there it exists right yeah but i just can't imagine that being effectively put into practice by a government which cannot you know get textbooks into schools i don't see how they can kind of strategize that long term that far ahead i just i can't wrap my head around it so i don't know whether it's true or whether it you know these these clever people are just talking nonsense just quick well malesi and becky had a very funny quote about this and he said white south africans must not be afraid of the anc introducing land reform because the anc has never succeeded in implementing any of its policies successfully (laughs) the big thing as i actually want to mention is that maybe the anc is so bad at introduce at delivering textbooks because they just really don't want to and they don't care enough about it but if they care about the ndr maybe they'll do a much better job at it i think the textbook thing is a bit of a snide like like we can always joke like oh the education is so bad because they want to keep people stupid to vote for them i don't think, I, I think purpose, that's I just think they just don't care yeah, yeah. i think it's apathy it's, to it's a lot it's, it's a low there's, priority there's very another banana republic is mexico but a big thing about mexico is when they actually put their minds to something. Like, well, if you look at modern-day Mexico, it's cartel-run... You're really into Donald this Trump Narcos thing. Hey, Narcos <laughs> is a great series. But giving free advertising to Netflix right now. But um, when Mexico, the Mexican government puts its mind to something, it really can do it. Let, look at the Alamo. Look at when they decided that they wanted to attack um, 
Sinaloa, which probably butchering the pronunciation there, but it was a state of Mexico that produced a hang of law of uh, marijuana. And they decided that they wanted to crack down on this. So they sent an army and just burnt down every single weed farm there. It's not something that the, that, um, the government does unless they really want to. But I think that governments have proven in the past that when they really put their mind to something, with all the stolen money they have, they can really do it. And that can be really terrifying when they do do it. I, I think also there's a difference between building up a system and the program that delivers textbooks to schools yeah. and breaking stuff down. I think breaking stuff and destroying is a lot easier. So we shouldn't kind of compare the two because mm. they're different. Exactly. But I still, ideologically, I can't imagine Angie Mucheka, maybe, maybe Sol Ramaphosa and Gwede and those guys, they're kind of more ideologically bent. But I can't imagine the average ANC member or... I don't think the average ANC voter knows what the NDR is. Yeah, Maybe I I'm being very ignorant. But I don't think they sit in cabinet meetings and it comes up. I don't think they well, think that far ahead. I mean, the, this is... Uh, I think the South African Communist Party must be uh, you know, held to blame for the, a, lot of, a lot of the ideological poisonment of the ANC. It's often an interesting counterfactual to discuss. Had the tripartite alliance broken up in '94, as I think it should have, you know, it would have been better for the ANC for it to have broken up. What would our country look like today in terms of policy? Like, how much more business friendly would be would we be? Um, now, I I noticed something quite interesting. I was recently on a bit of a road trip uh, around a few countries in southern Africa, and we were driving in the northern part of Mozambique. Mozambique is a very very poor country, and a, a large number of Mozambicans are subsistence farmers. And they'd live in these small villages out in the countryside. And every time you, you drive past one, you see a flag of one of the two main political parties there, Renamo or Fredimo. And you just see, you know, the goats and the cows and the chickens running around. I mean, these people have got no access to running water or electricity. They live in, in dire poverty, but they, they sort of provide for themselves. It's, it's proper subsistence farming. Then we came home and I read an op-ed um, by somebody high up in the ANC, I can't remember if it was an MP or a cabinet minister or something, and he was talking about the problem of the number of farmers in South Africa, that in relation to the size of the country, we have a small number of landowners and, and people who farm. It was almost as if he was like not really grasping the concept of economies of scale. Or, and supply, and or supply and demand. Or commercial Or, or commercial farming. And he was saying... And he basically said in this article, one of the goals of land reform is to make South Africa better so that more people can provide for themselves. And this was also repeated in the um, portfolio, uh, what was it, the committee hearings on, on land reform. And I think there's a deep ideological bent that these people want to see South Africa look more like places like Mozambique, with lots of people living in dire poverty, because they want that. They see it as being good. Goes back to one of my articles I wrote a few years ago, uh, de-romanticizing farming. I said there's this obsession among, especially the NC members, the EFF, and a lot of socialists around the world, that they love this idea of far subsistence farming. They hate this idea that there's people who actually might want to have hobbies or people who might not want to be farmers. And they don't understand that to feed such a large population comfortably, you actually need commercial level farming. Not everyone can grow potatoes in their backyard and expect to live off that. No, you need economies. Can I just say from uh, on an unrelated note that farming is not for everyone. Mm. There's a, a lot job. of risk. 
you wake up very early every morning. There are a lot of things that can go wrong. A lot of things that do go wrong. There's a lot of know-how required. There's a lot of improvisation required. There are a lot of droughts. There are a lot of fires. There are a lot of... There's trust a lot of me, it's, it's the... Well, farm, let's not even get to like the, the human kind of aspects of it. Um, or, or labor or anything. There, there are a lot of things that make being a farmer extremely undesirable unless you do it very well. Or you have some innate passion for it. Mm. Trust me, I do not trust. You know, if if uh, if the EFF wants to go farm, they must go farm and see how far they get. It's, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. It's a tough job, and you can't just yeah. sit someone on a farm and expect. No, I would no, not no, 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 want no. to do it myself. Can, uh, so just just to go to what you said about Mozambique. You know, okay, we we're mentioning France Cruni and the IOR way too much. I think they should start funding us, which they don't yet, by the way. Mm. they're listening yes, okay so anyway but we are open to it we are very open to it anyway so france said in this one thing i can't remember where you know we look at the anc and their policies and what they've achieved and we see failure you know and we look at zimbabwe and we see failure yet the anc looks at zimbabwe and they see success i mean we see people poor and hungry and we see failure they see Zanu PF still in power after what almost forty years of independence and completely wrecking right. an entire economy. Yeah. And they they see the the chaps in Angola and Namibia and Mozambique. The countries are, I mean, not doing that great, but the revol- the, the the liberation movements are still in power. So they see success. They've t- they've taken the land about where they've kind of ruined it, but the, the liberation party is still in power so that's the kind of the ANC looks at that so our, our standards are completely messed up we see failure they see success because Zanu PF is still in power they see okay let's maybe we can replicate that and stay in power it's not about whether the economy is doing the economy is doing well or whether there's development or whether there's poverty unemployment that's that's kind of very secondary um, in terms of their list of priorities yeah it really is a sort of ideological thing and it's something we have to be truly blind to the reality of life and, and just really want to get a, an outcome. And I think, unfortunately, the ANC has much fewer pragmatists and a lot more ideologues. And I think that's why we have this sort of bent. And I would agree with you. I, I think that could be one of the, the large factors around the National Democratic Revolution. All right, guys. So to wrap things up here, but 2019, we have an interesting year ahead. Um, it seems to me like it's all going to hinge on the election. I know that all we're going to hear is election, election, election until it happens. And then it's going to be interesting. I have to say, I am picturing in my mind the DA losing a few votes and having this very emotional Facebook post to try <laughs> and, and explain it. Um, I've had this image in my head of that going all the time. And Prashish the Lil is going to laugh all the way yes. to... One vote. <laughs> she just she just wants to seat in Parliament and a free house and a free car and a free salary for Thank doing you. that. So what you're saying is she's a politician. I th- I think you've got it there. That's uh, that's the word. That's the word I'm looking for. Politician. Yeah, I must I, say I really hope her party doesn't get seats in Parliament. That'll be. You hope the good party does bad. Yes. I I, I really I really must correct you though. Yeah. I I believe that, that being a politician can be an honourable thing. I truly do believe that she is something that is the worst thing that can exist, and that is a career politician. <laughs> Fair enough. There are some nice politicians. His name is Winston Churchill. That's the only one I can think of. Yeah. 
Oh, Mar- Margaret Thatcher. Well, he was a flaky politician because he I jumped mean, ship so many times and then he yeah. failed. and then. But he was really, he made awesome quotes while he did it. Yes, yeah, very, very but clever he didn't, guy. He would have been a politician whether he would, would have been paid a million pounds or a penny. I mean, the, the whole thing is that the man didn't need the money. You can't say the same about Patricia to the local. And Coulter, American conservative journalist, who I don't like particularly that much at all. She's not a big fan of the truth. She's not a. I'm not a big fan of her. Cortez would get along. Yeah. Well, this is the funny thing: is like she sort of revealed herself to now be in favor of big taxes on the wealthy, which is rather odd coming from a Republican. Um, but she made an interesting point on the Bill Maher show. She said that Donald Trump and Mitt Romney have been the only presidential candidates in the last however many years, couple decades, who would stand to lose by becoming president in terms of their salaries. Um, which is a rather interesting thought. Mitt, Mitt Romney, of course, is very wealthy. Anyway, we're, we're diverging out of South Africa here. So, guys, I think it's, it's going to come down to the election. Um, anybody want to share their thoughts on, on what basis they'll be voting? I'll say, and I've said this on a few other episodes, for me, land, land and property rights is just so important that I'm a single-issue voter as far as this election is concerned. Uh, what about you guys? Um, okay, well, just we're going to be sitting here six months from now. Hopefully, we do many more podcasts in between, and we're going to have the election results, and we're not going to be that surprised, and we're going to be no more certain about the future whatsoever. We're still going to believe that um, Cyril is playing 40 chess, that everything will turn out okay. The DA is going to hopefully have uh, kind of found some direction. Vision. In some vision, yes. So I'm just saying, guys, six months from now, we're not going to have any more clarity about the future. It's We're still going to be going to shit. Anyway, as for voting, remember there's provincial and national, right? Yeah. If I think, possibly, provincially, I'd end up voting DA, because I live in the Western Cape, and I think they'd do a good job. And I heard who's going to be, is it Alan Windy's going to be the Premier candidate? Is that true or not? Uh, yeah, I think that might be true. I'm a fan of his, actually. And, and he seems like a very, very decent, organized guy. So, in, in that sense, I think I would pretty much like to be voting DA provincially, because I don't I want things to continue. Um, nationally, that's a very, very interesting question. I mean, I want the DA to fix itself. I mean, I kind of see myself as a, maybe a a model DA voter. I can't say that. That's a ridiculous thing to say. Sorry. But I see myself as a person who would usually vote DA, right? And um, Model DA voter. Sorry, there's no such thing. (laughs) I'm sorry. That is such a funny comment. (laughs) No, but like the person, like the bread and butter. But but you know what I mean? Like I I would, the traditional DA, I would be a traditional DA bread and butter first in line to go vote, right? Yes. Probably not because I'm not that big on government. Like if if I drink another few glasses of wine, I'll actually share a secret. I'm an anarchist. But I won't share that secret, so you've got nothing to worry. It's not as if there's a microphone on the table. It's not as, uh, yeah, exactly. But I think nationally, you know, you kind of, you want the DA to become better. I mean, if you think that, look, this is cut off five years from now, if the DA doesn't win more seats with being, you know, the kind of mush that they are, South Africa's going to go down the drain, you have to vote DA. If you kind of want the DA to reform and you think things are going to go down a little bit slower than we typically tend to think that it is, I don't think you should vote DA. 
Um, I think purely to keep the ANC and EFF numbers low, you should vote though. Um, the one-man band named Cope, I like, because Monsieur Lakota, let me just say his surname, is saying all the very right things. Um, I don't know if he's a trustworthy guy, he seems trustworthy. Maybe you'll get two or three seats in Parliament. Maybe you should just vote for him. Just and to kind share of them all dilute. Yeah, exactly. But, but I'm I mean, fine with but, but he's, he's at least... He's at least vocal anti-expropriation, no, like and he's, he seems like a decent guy. So, but based on that, I can see myself voting Cope this one time. Um, but, but I mean, I don't actually want to share. Well, I, I think I'm, I, might, I may vote for Cope. I'm not going to say who will eventually end up voting. You've got many months to change your mind. I'm going to vote yes. for the EFF. Yeah. You are? No. Okay. I, I definitely say that the the point of provincially, I think, is going to be far more important in the coming months um, because currently we're at a bit of a, a movement in terms of politics, I would say, of which way is Gauteng going to go and which way is the Western Cape going to, the, to go because it's obvious that the DA messed up in, in Cape Town and it's obvious that Gauteng is anybody can take. If Sorry, moment. why do you say they messed up in Cape Town? The water problems. So that's been sorted. We've all got water. They've, they've really irritated a lot of us. Yeah, but they managed to halve the water consumption in Cape Town. I mean, it shouldn't be the, the problem of citizens to worry about the consumption. It no, it shouldn't be. But I mean, we've kind of pulled through and I think they would have been better than any other alternative. I agree. I can't really fault them on Cape the, Town. Yeah. The, the whole thing is that I believe that... I, I'm, I would not vote if there were no party that was good. And I believe that is something that you should really stand by. And I, I will be voting in the next election because I believe that it's important to keep on a provincial level whoever is in power on their toes. And I believe that on a that on a countrywide level that you should represent who most you agree with and for that reason ideologically yes so not so okay wait so sorry i'm interrupting you now yes, but i want to touch fine. i want to touch on that point because you say who's best to run your immediate location your province your city yes from a technical pragmatic practical day-to-day -day point of view might not be good running that system being applied to the whole country. Yes. I mean, who would want the EFF to run their, their own area? Yeah, but would you, or do you say they'd be better at running a country than running a municipality? My, my feeling is that there's some, there's some parties that would be far more at ease running a municipality than running a country. And that, to me, means... Like the Bushbuck Ridge Residence Association. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, that's what you're, if that's what you want, then yes. Well, it's an actual party, which actually has... The, if, <laughs> if that is what you want, then yes. Can I vote for Quick Spa to, be, to run the... <laughs> well, I mean, if, if, I, if I could vote for anybody, I would vote for ExxonMobil to run the, the entire country. Amen. <laughs> but fracking I'd like, going. I'd like to resurrect but Lee Kuan Yew. Lee Kuan Yew. I would. I would vote for his dead corpse. That's. <laughs> I mean, he is. He is the greatest human to have ever lived, <laughs> apart from George Washington. 
I think our, <laughs> I think that our, that, that our listeners could definitely agree that <laughs> barring George Washington, who you need not compare to any other human to have ever existed. George Washington is quite nice. Not leave some dislike if you disagree. Maybe just leave a comment. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think can just <laughs> respond to you. We, I, I will respond to you personally. Let's wrap things up. Guys. But I, I would I would vote on a provincial level. I would vote ACDP. Seriously? Yes. <gasps> really? Yes. You're an atheist. I know. <laughs> For one reason, and that is that I believe that they are. In my mind, the custodians of my actual vote. I do not want the DA to be in charge of my 50,000th of one MP. And I believe that they would not vote with the ANC. I, I cannot see them voting with the ANC. There's a few other candidates for those criteria as well. Yeah. I understand, but I, the, the whole thing is that currently, I believe that the best case scenario for the Western Cape is to have no party in charge. I I cannot see. But I, mean, I believe I that <laughs> I believe I believe that a reshuffling of the values of the DA would be the healthiest thing possible for our democracy, and for our country. And I believe that them losing the ability to decide completely what happens in the Western Cape would be the the catalyst for that event happening. And I would, for the nationally, I, I would vote DA. Okay, so my decision is kind of emotional. I'm a writer, so it comes to territory. Um, I feel personally betrayed by the DA in many ways. I see them as kind of a Celt to a large degree, like the ANC. That means that I cannot in good conscience give them my vote in their current form. My current national vote would probably go to either COPE or the Free Freedom Front Plus. Freedom from Plus mostly because I've kind of gotten over my Afrikanophobia. <laughs> and and COPE because, as has been mentioned, they've been making a hang of a lot of good policies and a strong stand against socialism in this country. Locally, it's a little bit harder. I don't want to vote for the DA due to the aforementioned betrayal of my trust. But I do agree they've been doing a reasonable job in Cape, Cape Town and I might not want to risk changing that. Cool. So guys, can I just say one last thing? Yeah. Okay, so my one last thing is, okay, so if you want to maybe feel morally good about yourself and you want to waste some petrol driving to the voting station, then vote who, for whoever you like. If you want to make a real difference in the world, go clean your park or take an orphan out for lunch. I Only if they're a nice orphan. Like the Baudelaire's. <laughs> Anybody who gets that reference, well done to you. Remember to like and subscribe if you get the reference. Remember to like and subscribe whether you got the reference or not. Uh, anyway, this has been another episode of the Rational Standard Podcast. As usual, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, the Rational Standard Podcasts are available on PayPal. I always post the links to the episodes on my Twitter, at Nick Babaya. You can also follow us at Rational Stand and give us a like on Facebook. Or sign up to our mailing address. And also check out our partners being Libertarian and Think Liberty. They do much for us and we appreciate uh, our partnership with them. So thanks for listening to another episode of the Rational Standard Podcast. And until next time.